Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Christina Darnell, also coming to you from Charlotte. And we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. On today's extra episode, Christina and I will be doing a question and answer episode. Regular listeners to the podcast might remember that back in February, we did our first Q&A session. And at that time, I said that we'd be doing them maybe every month or so. But what's that old saying about the best laid plans of mice and men? Well, yeah, exactly. And uh, I had a great plan, but things didn't exactly work out that way. We haven't done a Q&A, in fact, since March. So that means it's been nearly three months since we decided to do this monthly episode. But here we are again, and I'm excited to have this conversation with you, Christina, and with our listeners. So what's up first? Well, the first thing that I want to mention is that we have a couple of new features here at Ministry Watch. One of them is what I'm calling the editor's notebook. Um, Every Saturday, or most Saturdays, I should say, I'll be posting kind of a behind-the-scenes look at some of our bigger stories for the week. Um, Sometimes it might feature sort of a making of how the story came to be, or in a few cases, it might be my opinion, a little bit of analysis about um, that particular story. It's just kind of a response to, you know, what i perceived to be sometimes a need to go a little bit deeper and just share a little bit more about our process with our listeners. Well, you said a couple of new features. So the editor's notebook is one of them. I'm assuming the other one is the question of the week. Yeah, it is. And I introduced that uh, last week, at least in writing to our readers. But I'll now uh, introduce it to those that are listening this week on the podcast. Uh, You know, a couple of years ago, uh, when I started working uh, full time at Ministry Watch, I started getting these emails from a guy named Don Kramer. And uh, he's a lawyer and nonprofit expert. And to be perfectly honest with you, for a couple of months, they just kind of got ignored. I thought that I was just being spammed. But then I started reading one or two of trying to decide what to do with them because they were starting to stack up a little bit and they were really good. And uh, once a week, uh, Don puts out this uh, question of the week. And because he is a lawyer and because he deals with secular nonprofits as well, as uh, the Christian ministries that we deal with, a lot of the questions really don't fit, but man, oh man, so many of them do. And I found that even as much as I report on the issues that relate to Christian nonprofits, I was just learning a lot. So I um, called up Don's uh, team and asked if we could start uh, publishing them on our side. They very generously, graciously agreed. So we'll be doing a question of the week more or less every week now. Fortunately, Don's been doing this for a number of years, so I'll be able to dig into the archives a little bit to find ones that are just relevant to Christian uh, ministry leaders, and not all leaders as well. Uh, Even if you don't have a leadership role in a ministry as a donor, I think you'll find a lot of these questions really, and Don's answers to be really helpful. So started that last week. We'll have another one uh, going up uh, probably on Wednesday every week is when we'll be posting these. It might float around a little bit, but right now I'm planning on Wednesday. So I'm pretty excited about um, both of these new features, the Editor's Notebook and the Question of the Week, and I hope our listeners and readers on the website will be excited as well. 
Well, Warren, I'd like to get into a couple of our reader questions now. And the first question comes from Elliot. He writes, while it's pretty clear that Ministry Watch has a point of view regarding many of the stories you cover, it's also true that you don't explicitly express that point of view in editorials or opinion pieces very often. There's a part of me that respects that, but I also sometimes find it frustrating when it comes to complicated issues or complex stories that unfold over time. Sometimes I just want you to tell me what you think. How come you don't do that more often? Well, that's a great question. And I think uh, some of what we've already talked about, Christina, you know, kind of goes to that just a little bit, uh, or is at least a partial answer. And that is that, you know, with the editor's notebook and with the question of the week, we will be sharing a little bit more of what we think. So hopefully Elliot will maybe have that itch scratched a little bit in that regard. But let me kind of dig a little bit more deeply into the question, because I I think he's asking uh, an important one. Christina, you and I both uh, worked for Marvin Alaska World Magazine for a number of years. And one of the things that Marvin always used to say to, you know, to us on the editorial team at World was that talk is cheap and reporting is expensive. But it's also valuable. And I think that the reason that we uh, don't put a lot of opinion pieces on our side and much more reporting pieces, reporter-driven pieces on our side, is kind of a manifestation of that philosophy that we think reporting really does matter. Uh, We think that actually getting the facts right and uh, trying to keep our opinion out of it, but presenting the facts to our readers or or our listeners and letting them decide what they want to believe about a story rather than telling them what we believe about a story is really important. So while we will probably be doing more opinion pieces in the future, as I said, the editors know both the question of the week, and I'll probably be dropping in an editorial myself from time to time. Uh, we really want the reporting to take center stage at Ministry Watch, and that's the reason that we do it the way we do it. Well, our next question comes from John, who writes, I recently attended your webinar, How to Read a Form 990. It was very helpful, and I'd like to share the recording with others. May I? And why don't you post the recordings on the site? Well, first of all, John, thanks. I'm glad you had a great experience with that webinar, How to Read a Form 990. Um, And yeah, you can absolutely share the link. I, I should say to those that didn't participate in the webinar that even if you can't attend in person, if you sign up, we will send you a link. It's kind of an automatic thing that goes out uh, to everybody that that signs up. Uh, the reason that we don't post them on the website is because we sometimes repeat webinars. The How to Read a Form 990 is one that we've repeated either three or four times over the last couple of years. And we usually, end, they, they end up being a little bit different each time. Sometimes I do them with Tim Burns, um, our, our chief financial officer. Sometimes um, I do them by myself. We usually have different sets of questions. So, you know, there they really are unique and live experiences. Um, as John knows, because he attended, uh, I only lecture, if you could put it that way, only about 20 or 25 minutes of the hour. Most of the time is taken up with Q&A. And I should say that there is um, there are a couple of other reasons that are maybe not great reasons, but I'll just mention them anyway. 
as reasons that we don't post the um, the links, and that is that Zoom links go dead after about a year. Because we do a lot of webinars now, we're doing you know almost one a month, we would probably find ourselves in kind of this continual upkeep process of having to delete old stories and take old links down. And, and so we just decided that it would be better to kind of make those webinars live, unique experiences that... Um, you know, if you want to sign up, you can get the link and you can listen to it a day or a week later. But, you know, a year later, the links would be dead anyway, and probably nobody would be watching them anyway. And I should say, we that finally, that that's just the way we've always done it. I, I will uh, certainly, if Zoom changes its policy so that they the links don't go dead in a year, we might end up uh, leaving them up. But for now, I think we're going to stick to the way we're doing it, which is that if you want to come to the webinars, we'd love to have you. They're live, unique experiences, and um, we'll kind of leave it at that. Well, next we have Andrew, and he writes, I go to a fairly large church. We have about 1,000 people on a given Sunday, but we're not a mega church, and we don't have radio or television or other ministries that would give us a national footprint. That said, after attending that church for years, I'm beginning to see things that disturb me about the leadership of the church. Does Ministry Watch investigate these kinds of situations? Yeah, the short answer uh, to your question is, yeah, we do, but it depends. Um, you know, we don't like to get involved too much in the affairs of a local church, at least the affairs of a local church that seem to us to have some biblical form of church polity. And by polity, that just that's just a fancy word for church governance. Are there deacons? Are there elders? Is there are they part of a denomination where there is some oversight? Now obviously we've seen some scandals in big churches. By big church I mean uh, big denominations. So being in a denomination doesn't ensure that things are gonna go the way they're supposed to go. But our bias uh, is probably to leave the local church alone unless we see pretty clear and convincing evidence that that um, that biblical forms of governance and oversight and accountability have gone off the rails. And that's where we will tend to get involved. In fact, I would say that that's probably my first standard is that if a biblical process is in place and being followed, we will usually step back and wait for that biblical process to play itself out. And hopefully that will result in restoration. But if it doesn't, that's where we'll step in. There's another situation where we'll step in as well, and that is that if our reporting can provide support for people who have been victimized um, by that system, by that, be it a church or some other organization, or if it can prevent others from being victimized. In other words, if we think that there is a clear and present danger of more people being victimized because of the situation, they're either a toxic leader or an unbiblical leadership style. So we would also tend to step in in that situation as well. So um, the bottom line for us is that we like to let the local church be the local church, 
so long as the local church is following biblical processes. And if it's not, we'll step in. That said, I, I hope that what I've just shared with our listeners, Christina, will give them the confidence to contact us if they see something that they think should warrant a closer look. You know, the old saying that sometimes you hear at the airport or on subways, if you see something, say something, I think applies. And then we can talk about it and um, we can decide together whether Ministry Watch should take a closer look. Next, we have Brandy who writes, our pastor resigned and was defrocked because of sexual abuse allegations. But now he's a counselor and life coach and occasionally preaches in churches outside of our denomination. Can anything be done about that? Well, yeah, and I think this is an example uh, of something that we could write about. I mean, this is, this is uh, you know, a guy that has uh, kind of removed himself from oversight and authority, and this is precisely the kind of uh, situation that Ministry Watch would be interested in. In fact, I should say that in this particular case, Brandy um, did send us some additional information, and we are, in fact, looking into this situation right now. Um, the, I think, though, the larger question here that relates not just to Brandy's church but to lots of churches is the, is the fact that there are so many uh, independent churches, non-denominational megachurches out there. And I think that all of us now are starting to have to ask the question, well, what do we do? You know, in the past, maybe there was a deacon board or elders or, if you know, a, a vestry, if you're in an Anglican church, that you could go to and have these conversations. But now it's just not so clear that um, these kinds of bodies exist to uh, provide the oversight, transparency, and accountability that is sometimes necessary. It's one of the reasons that, you know, Ministry Watch exists is for, you know, these very situations. Uh, You know, I should also add, though, in Brandy's case, you know, the abuse that took place and the defrocking within that denomination was fairly recent. I, I mean, you didn't say this in your question Christina, but Brandy um, shared with us that it actually happened in 2019, which was just a couple of, you know, just a few years ago. Sometimes we report on stories that happened 10, 15, 20 years ago. I would think of the Hillsong uh, story, for example, that Brian Houston, who was the head of Hillsong, is now being brought up on criminal charges for something that took place in 1998, almost 25 years ago. So, um, sometimes people ask me, and you know, it's usually they ask it as a way of giving me negative feedback, why are you dredging this stuff up from 10 and 15 and 20 years ago? And I think the short answer to that is that, yeah, I do believe that there is kind of a statute of limitations on some matters. If somebody made a mistake when they were young, uh, they've repented of it. There's been a restoration process. And maybe it even happened before they became a Christian um, and before they went into ministry. Um, I look at those situations very, very different than uh, the situations like at Hillsong, where this has been an ongoing culture of wrongdoing. There are criminal charges that are currently um, being um, adjudicated against Brian Houston, even as we speak. So, yeah, you know, you got to kind of use good judgment and prudence in looking at these, but um, that's why Ministry Watch exists, to look into these situations. So once again, I would just reiterate with our listeners that if you see something, say something, we'd be happy to help you work through those issues together. Well, any final thoughts before we go? 
Well, yeah, I do have a question for you, Christine. Actually, a couple of questions, maybe, if you're willing. When I speak around the country, uh, I was at the Restore Conference a couple of weeks ago in Chicago in the Evangelical Press Association uh, Conference in um, Colorado Springs about a month ago. I invariably get asked questions about the Ministry Watch staff. So since I got you on this particular episode, I was wondering, uh, are you comfortable, Christina, sharing with our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got to Ministry Watch? Uh, Well, right now, I'm a homeschooling mom of four, and they're pretty young. My oldest is seven. My youngest is going to turn a year in July. Before that, before we had kids, um, I went back to school and got my master's in journalism. And it was actually through meeting with you, I, I wrote for World on Campus. I always followed World. So when World on Campus started, I wrote for World on Campus, and you were the one who told me about WJI. So I did that. From there, I got an internship with World, which turned into a job um, that I loved. But then we had a kid. (laughs) So um, I had to kind of put that aside for a while. But I worked in editorial work on the side from there. And it's kind of funny because it's like, once you're on Warren's email list, you're always on Warren's email (laughs) list. So Guilty. I plead guilty to that. Um, followed you with the Colson Center and then when you became president of Ministry Watch. And I remember reading the articles and just watching what you were doing with it and thinking how valuable it was. And I remember thinking, I wish he needed an editor. And also thinking at the same time, but surely you need a full-time editor. So I never said anything until you actually reached out to me. And from there, we were able to find a really good balance with it all. Yeah, yeah, I think we have to. I really appreciate your work. Yeah, in fact, um, you know, because we both live here in Charlotte, I was reading your byline in the Charlotte Observer, and that was actually what motivated me to reach out because I knew you were a stay-at-home mom, and I didn't know how much time you had. But when I started seeing your byline there, I was thinking, hey, what am I, chopped liver? Maybe she would, you know— Maybe maybe instead of writing for the Observer, she would be you know want to write for me as well. And of course, they had some changes at the Observer that um, created a, a sort of a window of opportunity for me. So, Christine, I just want to say um, to you and also to our listeners just how much I appreciate your work. I know it's a massive juggling um, operation that you've got going on there. In you know raising four kids, homeschooling four kids, and also um, finding you know a, a few hours a day to work with me and work with Ministry Watch. I'm just so grateful, feel really blessed. And so, yeah, thanks for sharing and thanks for being a part of the team. Thank you very much. Yeah, let me just mention one more time before we go that um, if you have a story that you would like for us to cover, um, you think maybe needs a closer look, never hesitate to email us. Uh, Our email address is info at ministrywatch.com. That'll come directly to my desk and we'll take it from there. And um, also a reminder, now that we're near the end of this special episode, that you can help the program by leaving us a rating on your podcast app. The more ratings we get, the easier it is for others to find us. It's a quick, easy, and free way, I should add, that you can support Ministry Watch. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosel and Jeff McIntosh. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Goddard, Stephen Dubarry, Emily Kern, Rod Pitzer, and Casey Sedith. You've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.